The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. My name is Tyler Borland, and with me always is Danny Vincent. That's right. My name is Danny Vincent. And this week, we're going to discuss the only possible way we could figure to prep for the return of Oscar Isaac to Marvel. That's right. We're talking X-Men Apocalypse. Woo! But with us for it is special returning guest, Jay Salahi, who directed a movie, Northwood Pie, and just went to Knott's with me this last weekend, so that was pretty cool, too. <laughs> How you thank, doing, Jay? Thank you, thank you. That was a grand introduction. We had a great time at Knott's Berry Farm, and it was great seeing you for the second time in person. Yes, it was a Can't good, wait to great do it weekend. Again. Yeah. I mean, you're the only person I know that would fly all the way to Los Angeles just to see a movie. I mean, that enough is, I mean, you are dedicated movie fan and i mean i can't believe i did it twice (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you um, do it for the man not the no i won't do it for lightyear (laughs) i will not do it for the lightyear movie (laughs) but i will do my little mini plug before we start yes i did make a movie northwood pie um it's just a little coming of age stoner rom-com in a pizza place made in my hometown for about twelve thousand dollars it is streaming on amazon um prime for for free it's also on like tubi and roku and Amazon and Google. So yeah, check it out if you want to listen. Thanks guys. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, all right. So we have our question for you for last week. Um, I guess last week posited to us, what is the one element or any element from any part of the MCU that you would personally want to retcon or rewrite? So I was thinking about this on my morning jog and it was tough because I'm not big on like overall big story arcs or rewriting giant character things. So I was like, okay, there wasn't anything massive that I wanted to like go back from the beginning and completely change the outcome of things. But then I really was like, oh, maybe this does have a big change was I decided that the Hulk's arc in the movies is kind of what bothered me because I will say that I would change that because I did like the Scarlett Johansson kind of romance in a way that they were kind of lending toward. And Maybe not that I even necessarily loved it, but the fact that they set it up so much and then never really paid it off always kind of bothered me. And when I go back and watch Age of Ultron, they have all these nice character scenes and it's essentially just fat on the movie now because it kind of has no play in the later films. And what also Mm -hmm. bothers me about that is they kind of show that they kind of cut away from the most interesting part of Hulk, which is like him becoming who he is in Endgame. Because what happens in Infinity War is he's kind of can't turn into the Hulk and it's a funny thing they do. And it's kind of like an erectile dysfunction joke, but it kind of undercuts the fact that in the previous films, like in the, uh, the Edward Norton film, which is still Canon, he essentially at a certain point doesn't know if he can become the Hulk again. Cause he doesn't know if that serum he took worked only one time or will work forever. And he takes the risk and he falls out the plane and he like hits the ground willing to sacrifice himself to become the Hulk. And then again, in, Avengers, he tells the story about how he got low and he takes the gun in his mouth. One of the, I love that scene too. And yeah. when he grabs a gun and he put, tells about putting it in his mouth when he grabs the Lopi scepter. And 
he basically says the other guy spit it out, which shows that he's unkillable. And then we have Infinity War where the whole world's at stake. And they kind of use him as a butt of the joke where he kind of just slaps himself. And it's like he could have really tried. If he tried to kill himself, I know the Hulk would have came out maybe and, and fought. But it's more, which I understand there was a lot to do in that movie. And there was too much story to cover. But I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, you have to do what you have to do. But then the next movie when it was like he already went over, he's like, oh, I figured it all out. And now we're just here. It's like we missed a big part of it. The last movie was setting up this internal struggle and we didn't finish it. So I and. I don't know when and, the, and tying in with her death as well. I felt like at the later of the films, and I understand why they really had to focus on Cap and Iron Man. And it seems like because Hulk is staying in the universe and be Thor staying in the universe, they kind of continued on with that. But I still always felt as an OG Avenger, I really do love the first Avengers movie so much, and I do like Age of Ultron more than most people. I I, I feel like that he kind of got shortchanged. So I would rewrite Hulk's arc a little bit, give him a better love story, and make him more of a focus. That's a really good answer and yeah. m- makes me want to change. Not to your answer. I'm not just going to steal your answer, but now I'm thinking about something else that bothers me about those later movies too. But Tyler, since you wrote yours down, you're going to yeah. say yours next. <laughs> so it's it's always bothered me um, that that Iron Man 3... Danny, you said last week, you said it would, be, it would have been really nice if uh, Joss Whedon would have paid attention to uh, the oh, face, the face two the face movies. solo yeah. movies before <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, and like we get a very small payoff with Tony's suit um, in Iron Man or, or from Iron Man 3 uh, with it being more autonomous to what he does in Age of Ultron. We get a little bit of that in Age of Ultron, but that's about it. Um, what I would say is we move Iron Man 3 to being after Age of Ultron um, because at the at the end of Iron Man 3, he gets rid of his suits and assuming he, he keeps one. Um, so he gets rid of all of his suits, but then he's back at it again, Age of Ultron, like nothing, doesn't acknowledge Iron Man 3 at all. And then we go to... Uh, the next time we see him is Civil War. And then he's like, well, Pepper and I, we we split up because I couldn't get rid of the suit. And it's kind of like we we didn't really. I think mm-hmm. that's something that we really it's just lacking there. So I think to build that up um, better, I think that Iron Man 3 has to be moved to being after Age of Ultron, which effectively changes the whole film. Uh, Tony goes through the whole movie without Jarvis, which just highlights him being he is not only the man without his he's still iron man without his suit which is what he learns in the original script but this time he also learns that he is still the he's still the the one putting he's still the mechanic he's the still the one working all the parts you know behind the scenes to make his technology work um and that he doesn't necessarily need jarvis um which was this big th- big part of him for this long time. And then, um, yeah, I think for him to get into this more serious um, take, I think he does get rid of all of his suits. He makes a a promise to Pepper that he's going to get rid of his suits. But I think that when Pepper falls from the crane in the finale, in the third act of Iron Man three, I think Pepper, I think Pepper's got to die. And 
that also solves contract stuff for the future of the MCU. You're welcome, Feige. You but, wait, 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 but, but then we don't get the Gwyneth Paltrow being billed fifth in Spider-Man Homecoming. Exactly. I mean, we lose an inside joke, but, <laughs> I, I will but say, still. I think that your point is, uh, brings up another later point that I kind of, an issue I have maybe with the Avengers, uh, no, or more Civil War, I forget exactly, oh, Homecoming, is that you bring up that the the Peppers relationship in Civil War, right? That they like, they're separated. We didn't yeah. see because of the how the movies work and because of the timeline and stuff. We had to skip some plot lines, kind of the problem mm-hmm. with Hulk, and they skipped that plot line, and we kind of like, oh, they're there. But we also skipped the recovery of that, where like later on, it's like, oh, the uh, we didn't get to announce the kid being the new Avenger, and like, yeah. what about this ring? And it's like, wait, so the last time we saw Tony, he was defeated, and he didn't even have Gwyneth, you know, or um, yeah. Pepper, and it's like, oh, now he's got Pepper again. So it's just piggybacking on what you said before. It is that, and that, and also doubling down is I when I first saw Iron Man three was very annoyed that Pepper lived. Not that I wanted her to die; I thought she's a great character, but mm-hmm. I just felt like there's and Marvel kept doing it, which bothered me for a while. Now I'm okay, I'm yeah. a little more so. But there was a point where every movie I was like, okay, I'd stop killing people and having them come back. It was a little bit too much a trope. And when they killed yep. her for a moment, I was like, wow, did they really kill her? And then when they brought her back, I was like, oh, of course, like, and it kind of really. It irked me the wrong way. And I'm happy yeah. she's in the later films and stuff. But I always think if you could, in hindsight, make it back, it would be nice to give the film a little bit more weight, have her death there, and then that mm-hmm. could be like a downfall into uh, Tony's you know, later films. So I, yeah. I agree with you. In a yeah, way. And, I, and I think I think it backs him up better in Civil War for him to be like, okay, we have to be accountable because look, this is what, this is what my tech did. This is what the superheroes did to to the world and you know he feels a lot more guilty for that rather than uh what civil war was like we just need one parent to talk to him and then all of a sudden he's like a changed man you know i think yeah. we need a bigger more gravity to to an event uh, i will say though yeah. as, a, as, as a filmmaker i do like sometimes the simplicity of things like i think mm-hmm. when you, so one time sometimes a marvel does well and what I always talk about movies. You only need sometimes 45 seconds. Like that scene with the mom and it's a small thing. Yeah. It is good. And it does, it sell is, you, it is it does really make me scene. emotional. And it's like yeah. in a minute you can care about someone. And they do a very similar thing in civil war, which is good as like, you know, I care more about, uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman's father, black Panther's father in 45 seconds in that movie. But what about moving a piano? You're like, Oh shit, mic drop. You know, it's like, yeah. And then, but, but then, then I do about necessarily some of the bigger characters and superhero movies that get more screen time. So it's like Marvel is sometimes really good at those 45 second things, but I do agree with you overall, but I didn't want to, I do like those 45 second moments that they, yeah. Like. So Danny, what would you retcon rewrite? All right. First, I want to be upfront. I didn't think about this nearly as hard as I ever you two did. Um, <laughs> Uh, so my initial answer is going to be, and I'm going to change it, but I just want to say my initial one is going to be was that I would like to have brought back the love interest from Incredible Hulk at some point if we're going to bring her dad back. Mm. Uh, however, uh, Jay brought this up and I realized it is the number one thing that irks me about Infinity War and Endgame is that the whole point of Thor Ragnarok as a film is mm. to try and bring Thor into being a king. Uh, and all the aftermath of that, him losing an eye, him saving his people, all of that is wiped away by those two movies. Uh, I don't mind him entering a depression in that five-year gap. I think that's perfectly fine. What I don't like is him, and maybe, probably Love and Thunder will like fix this because it's going back to the person you know who put into effect Ragnarok. Uh, I really never like, I mean, 
I love Valkyrie as a character. I love Tessa Thompson. She's one of my faves. But him being like, I don't want to be a king anymore. When the entire last movie I saw of him that was about him was about him finally accepting that he must become king. Mm. To me, uh, it just felt like, along with, of course, him getting his eye back, him getting a new uh, hammer. All of it just felt like we're negating the last movie yeah, for no reason, even though, of course... I'm, and we all know I'm the hugest Ragnarok fan. So to me, it's like a double spit yeah. in my eyes. So. No, I, I agree with you. I, it's 100%. Like, I felt the same way watching Infinity War the first time. It's like, wait, this is kind of retconning what the last film had, had just done. And when you talk about it now, it, in a perfect sense now, when you can design it, that plot line of him giving up King is maybe mm-hmm. a better story for now would be. Like, if Thor 4 was about handing over the King to Tessa Thompson or something else. That seems like a good four story where three, he needs to become king. And then of course we have to stop Thanos. So he is the king. And even though he's had a down and out fat, he needs to like pull himself out of it and still be the king. And then the next movie, the fourth movie could after this phase could have been about him handing it off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. That's my answer. (laughs) No, I, I think it's a good answer. I think these are some solid choices. And again, Things that work in retrospective, you know, they were making yeah. movies at a time, and even in Phase Two, they weren't quite as thought out and planned as they became in Phase Three. It was really Phase Three where they started ultra, ultra being like, okay, we yeah. got to figure everything out from the get go. Yeah, because I would say both of um, both of our. Well, I'd say yours is accurate regardless because of the Professor Holt thing just being in a five year gap. But for me, it's like, yeah, very possible that Thor: Love and Thunder could fix this issue for me in a sense watching back but it's still probably always gonna hurt me so yeah yeah uh, all right so do you have a question for our next guest the question for the next guest okay um all right sam raimi this is a sam raimi fan if you had yes. to see sam raimi tackle any type of ip because it's not we're not a Marvel fan, but keeping in kind of the theme of making someone answer another question. And I know it yeah. sucks we're all not making original movies, but if there was any property in the world you'd like to see Sam Raimi do, what would it be and why? That's a good question. What, Ooh, what's your answer? Yeah. What, what IP would you want to see Sam Raimi tackle? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, the first thing that popped in my head, I don't know why, was Star Trek. I just Ooh, think that he... Interesting yeah. because he has so much style, but you could keep the if you even kept a character base and like mystery, he would still make it feel action packed and adventurous just by the way he shoots things. So, and he has horror That's aspect, a, you know. Yeah. Maybe Sam like Raimi that. Borg movie. Let's go. I would love to see a Sam Raimi space movie. You know, like ooh, yeah, uh, just an original yeah. space movie would be nice. Yeah, I mean, take away yeah. the IP. I mean, you can ask a separate question, but I hate being the IP guy. But you know, it's a uh, it's boring. fair. Yeah. Trying to get the clip. We're a Marvel podcast. We're all about that IP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, you don't use that uh, in your thing, right? Is the title you no. don't say Marvel in it? You know. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to talking about X Men Apocalypse. Do 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 do. Tyler, what were your general thoughts? Okay. On- um, so I think this is a this film is a great example of not understanding its source material. Um, that being the comics it is inspired by, um, mainly con- like concerned around Apocalypse. Um, he's a villain of Thanos proportions and should be treated with more reverence than just this uh, one-off. The setup is, is present for him in the First Class trilogy, uh, First Class Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. There's a way to fit him 
in there as like the overarch overarching villain. Um, uh, however, the execution um, for what they did do with it is poor. Um, I think that the writing hurts this film. The pacing's too fast and the content is overstuffed. Uh, there are parts that I really do enjoy in this film, um, but the meh parts of the film make that watch much less rewarding and much more uh, forced. All right. Uh, I have thoughts, but I will save them to when we discuss. Um, okay. uh, but I have general thoughts, too. Uh, I I think this I saw this movie uh, I think opening with my mom who was a huge X Men fan uh, she didn't like this partially because uh, uh, I don't really talk about this much uh, but my parents are very uh, very serious about how like religion is depicted in film mm. and that my mom very it was a sticking point where they're like maybe uh, God got maybe the Bible got this from Apocalypse that was a huge sticking point with my mom but I also think it's just notably sloppier than first class and his future past. So I, and I, it didn't work for me either. You know, the movie just like, I, I dig the first half where it just slowly builds up and we're cutting to all these different storylines. Some of the inner cutting to me just kind of feels like, Oh, uh, we're back to mystique and no time has passed at all. Even though it's been like 35 minutes of movie and a couple days have passed for the other characters, but whatever. Uh, I think that works still better to me than the action second half. Uh, However, since I think the action second half, I don't really care about anyone. I think that probably shows there are weaknesses in that first half because I haven't grown to care about anyone yet. Uh, I don't think we get to know any of the characters of this large ensemble better in this movie. And most of the arcs feel weak because of how overstuffed it is because it lacks the focus and a strong villain. However, and I mentioned this not only because we have Jay on the podcast, who I know really like looks at the technical elements, but also because... Uh, I don't know Tyler saw this, but there was a viral tweet this past week talking about No Way Home's lighting. And watching mm. this with that tweet in mind, I was like, oh, yeah, this actually like looks like a movie. Yeah. Uh, and there's lighting here that looks like it changes and it looks dynamic. So to me, I was like, this actually looks solid enough to me. Like this, it's a very nice to look at movie outside of some visual effects here and there. So, yeah, I don't like it, but it's got quality elements to it. Sure. Uh, Jay, what did you think about this? So I have a, a lot more to say, but I'm excited to yeah. discuss all these little points. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, I've seen this movie 10 times, which is a ridiculous <laughs> amount. But to make it clear, I've seen all the other X-Men movies more, except for the ones that after this. I, I, I like X-Men a lot. So a little preface before this. Um, I, I do love the X-Men films. The first X-Men movie came out with seven. I actually watched it on DVD at eight before I saw the first Spider-Man movie in theaters. So other than the original Superman and those first Batman films, X-Men was a superhero movie I saw. Mm-hmm. And again, for the time, it was really great to establish that world. And then after Spider-Man, you know, X2 came out in 2003, I was 10. And I remember seeing that in theaters. And that was one of those big movies for me when I was 10. I remember sitting in the theater and hearing that X2 score play for the first time. It's like, boom, but a And I felt like I got zoomed back into my chair and it really took me. So X-Men has meant a lot to me growing up. It's one of those franchises that I actually like studied a lot as a kid and I was probably my superhero movie because growing up when I was kind of thing, we didn't have the MCU, you know, we had the Batman films before we had the Superman movies. And then now we kind of had the X-Men and the Spider-Man and we were just going to start getting the Christopher Nolan movies. But besides X-Men and Spider-Man franchise, you know, and now they're coming Nolan, there was just the trash movies. And what I loved about X-Men and what I still like about Apocalypse and the positives that I like about Apocalypse is that it feels for me, the right superhero, even though Apocalypse is a miss, 
the the franchise as a whole, it's the right tone for me as a superhero movie. I like that it is like it's not Dark Knight and it's not Spider Man. It's kind of in between. You know, it's not MCU, it's not Nolan, but it has this sense of it's serious. The world is real, but it's colorful and it's you know there's all these superheroes everywhere and it's like you know the, the balance like you were saying the lighting is really good and how it balances like all the different character colors and you know this green this scene and it's blue this scene and all the different stuff going on so i don't know i'm a, I'm a fan in that regard and then the tone as i was saying the jokes of it i think are, are good it knows when to kind of have humor the franchise as a whole i mean and then it didn't kind of stray too much like there's a point x-men apocalypse was a positive i say where uh, was her name Miranda? Moira, Moira, Moira. Tapper, Moira. Tapper. Mm-hmm. She like that guy says something to her like, "You can't go back here." When she's looking for apocalypse, and then she just kind of like hits him in the face and knocks him out, and then she goes down. And like in a Marvel movie today, they would like totally like just have to have a reference there, and she'd say something snappy and then go down. And I like that sometimes in these X Men movies, they know like, no, if she's just Indiana Jones, she just knocks him out and goes and does something. Um, so the X Men movies do like a lot, and I do like the tone. With that said, going to X-Men Apocalypse, um, I do enjoy the movie for some of those things. I think it has really good lighting in a lot of places. I think it has fun camera movement. Like, I think if you watch any individual scene, um, and Apocalypse is not good, the, the villain, but, like, just a sequential, like, minute or two, you're like, oh, this is a pretty good scene. Like, it's pretty, it's well done, but as a whole, as you guys say, it's overstuffed and it's unfocused. And what I've noticed, especially in, in thinking about it this time, is there's four major problems in this movie. And I think... What I like about it is the opposite of like a Marvel movie. I think the Marvel movie, I think they do all the broad stroke things right. And then as a filmmaker, there's just all these, my, and they're really good movies. I really do like the MCU. I think they're like perfectly paced structured films, which is why they're really good. But I have minor quibbles about like every little moment. I'm like, eh, eh maybe too funny, maybe too this. But the X-Men movies like Apocalypse, this new one has like a couple massive bad decisions that all of the things you guys say, I think encompasses that I think we'll talk about. Like, well, first thing is Apocalypse is a bad villain. I think we all agree in yes, every yeah. way, shape, or manner, like from the for the way he looks to the way it's done and designed. And it, they tried, you know, wow, I've listened to the commentary and I've seen the making of, they almost went CG. You've seen this kind of the artwork online. It looks really cool. And t- Oscar Isaac is the one who called him. Like Oscar Isaac saw Days of Future Past, liked it, and said, I want to be in the next movie. They called, you know, the team and said, hey, I want to play Apocalypse. And then the singer completely changed his, he's like, okay, fine. And he wanted to make it real. And ultimately was the wrong choice i think and then on top of that the, the problem is that apocalypse doesn't really have any like threat right what do you notice about the, the big scene where he takes down where the whole x mansion gets destroyed he doesn't even do it he just takes charles it's havoc who blows up the the ship mm, yeah so it's like all this whole destruction that our characters are feeling why are our characters down and out they're down and out because of havoc they're not down and out because Apocalypse did anything directly to them. So he's kind of an indirect villain to our X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the two last things, or the other thing is the, the retread story. The second of the fourth thing is they, too much retread story. These movies are, 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 are well done, but there's a certain point by six where it's like you've, you've kind of redoing the same beats over and over again. I mean, how many times can Magneto be good, then bad, then good, then bad, then good, then bad? Yeah. And it's like, I like Magneto. He's a great actor, great character. And even the scenes with his family, like they're, they're individually well done scenes. He's giving it his all. They're fairly well shot. And then it's just like, I don't need, it's like, ugh, it's just too much. And even the stuff with, you know, training X-Men and it's kind of like rebooting characters. I like seeing this, the kids again. And I like re- redoing um, like, you know, Cyclops and stuff. But again, it feels like, we're just maybe doing that too many times. We're telling the same story over and over again. And then the third thing, which is kind of ties into the fourth thing, I guess, is the 
The third thing is there's no main character. The other X-Men films, people complain that it was Wolverine's point of view, but every film has a point of view. It's like Wolverine's point of view. And then First Class is it is Xavier's point of view with like 40%, almost a co-lead is you know uh, Magneto's point of view. Mm, and then Days yeah. of Future Past is Professor is um, Wolverine's point of view. And then when they kind of get to the past, it kind of shifts and he hands it over to Xavier and it becomes Xavier's movie. Mm-hmm. And then this movie struggles in the sense that it has absolutely no main character and that's why it feels lost and there's not an attachment because who's the lead i, I mean i keep thinking about it i watch it, like who is it because who are we following because by the end of the film there's a certain point in that second act where you think it's the new young x-men kids but they establish them and then they completely disappear and don't focus on them and then we go back to them and then we go to the, uh, the old characters so it's and it doesn't do the thing and that's why apocalypse doesn't feel right either because it's a hangout movie in a way but then we have Apocalypse shoved in, and they don't do the Infinity War thing and making Apocalypse the villain, like the main character. So it's yeah. too much story going on. And the last thing I will say, sorry, is that the structure of the film, and I wrote this all down, is different than the last X-Men films, which I think exasperates all the problems we just mentioned. Because in the other X-Men films, they have a, they're a fairly quick tone. Like the uh, X2, for example, there's an opening action set piece with Nightcrawler. There's like, then there's a big attack on the mansion about 33 minutes in. And then about 50 or nine minutes in an hour and they have the big scene where they kind of uh, fight at the house with the fire and they, they get attacked by the cops and then storms. The, in the, yeah. Yeah. yeah and then they, storms the in the jet storm. and the tornadoes. Yeah. yeah. And yep, then yep. following that. So that's that that's all takes place before. So basically in this movie that happens in the first hour and X2 in this film after the opening action set piece, the next real action set piece is the attack on the house. And like the whole like Quicksilver scene, that's an hour and eleven minutes in that starts. So at that point, in the movie, yeah. the other movie, you've already done all those set pieces. In X one, it's a ninety five minute movie. They actually arrive at the Ellis Island for the third act sixty six minutes in. And then if you go to X three, they also arrive in the third act like seventy minutes in because it's a ninety minute movie. And then if you look at even Days of Future Past, by an hour in, they're already at the Peace Accords fighting. They got to the Peace Accords fifty six minutes in. So we've had the opening set piece, we've had them breaking out Quicksilver, and we've had the Peace Accords. And in this time, we've had the little opening in Egypt, and then we go an hour and like five minutes without any action. And because it's focusing so much on character and stuff, not that that's a bad thing, but it doesn't have a focus, and we don't have a lead, so we don't know who to latch onto. So it feels clunky. And again, nothing individually is that bad, but it, other than apocalypse <laughs> um, <laughs> and that it just kind of doesn't all mesh together so those four problems are really just i think those there are four big things that really kind of all happened before they even started shooting most of them so it was kind of a really a scripting phase i feel like is kind of the biggest issue in this film but those are mm. my my general thoughts i didn't say a lot of mm-hmm. positive but i do actually enjoy this movie probably more than both you guys just because i like the x-men movies and i do get enjoyment out of the way it's shot um and there is again i do just have a, 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 a a soft spot in my heart for the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So we're going to dig in. We're going to jump on all of that. Um, all right. Okay. Do you guys want me to start? Because I, I can think of something that I just thought of um, when you were saying it. I think one thing to me that feels like an issue to me with Apocalypse is that because I, I, I remember because Days of Future Past actually was my first X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. I saw it in theaters, and then I went back and watched all the... Because I'm a big time travel guy. So, like, okay. me seeing, oh, superhero movie about time travel? Okay. Uh, so, I went to see Days of Future Past, and I was like, all right, I'm going to watch all these other ones now. So, Apocalypse was the first one I was actually excited to go see. Mm. Uh, and, like, really, like, following the production, like, following, like, what it's going to be about. And I remember one of the big things about it was the rumor was, like, you know, Hugh Jackman may or may not be back, but if he's back, he's going to be one of those horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh 
Instead, all these horsemen besides Magneto are characters we don't know. Now, we do know through, like, you know, the we, we know who Storm is, but we don't know this iteration of Storm. Mm-hmm, and the yeah. other two characters are, like, whoever. Like, they don't matter. Like, to me, that's one of the reasons also Apocalypse doesn't work. Because if we see him recruit people that we cared about, like Wolverine, yep. for example, and I'm trying to think of, like, another option sure. that would be good besides Magneto... Or even, like, say, if he recruited Nightcrawler in this movie after Mystique rescued him. Yeah. Or, like, something like that. Well, uh, I think that might make it work. There's just too much to do, though, as you say. Like, we don't have enough characters left. Like, after Days of Future Past, I think the problem is, and, you know, Vaughn talked about this before Days of Future Past, and I love Days of Future Past, but they got too excited with Days of Future Past in the sense that they had a a reboot, and then they were like, okay, back to the old characters, and now they're wrapping it up, and we didn't really have a core team to attach to. If there was a second film, then Days of Future Past, then this or something, it would maybe work. Yep. But it's like you they felt like they needed to set up new characters. So it's like they're trying to set up new characters, remind us that these old characters who were all in different places where the last movie ended, now where their lives are, and we got to set up the villain. It's like, it's. I think I read in your letterbox review, you said it's like two scripts. It kind of feels like a few script ideas meshed into one and they kind of just had a date and they just went for it. Start shooting. Uh, <laughs> sure, that sounds about right. I, I wrote the review <laughs> when I saw the movie Script Tinder. In theaters, so I don't remember exactly what I wrote. I haven't looked at that. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for doing your research. Sorry, I'm like I do Yeah, definitely I said that. <laughs> I do I do wanna uh bounce off of what, what Jay was talking about with uh I like I definitely think that Days of Future Past that's your end of a that's the end of a trilogy. You know, that's the that's the capstone to your project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like what to make apocalypse fully for us to fully appreciate apocalypse, you've got to give him his time uh, very much how the MCU treated Thanos. Um, and uh, so I, I think in first class, it largely stays the same. Um, it, but you need Apocalypse as being there, but he's more of just a background um, operator, background operator. And See, I veto you on that um, stuff because I would hate X-Men First Class. And I don't like that. Like, yeah. let's have plot lines that don't pay off yet. Like, you don't know that. Gotcha. I don't like that. Like, yeah. Stuff, yeah. No, but. no offense, Tyler. That is actually what I was going to jump on you. Because I was like, <laughs> I want to talk about one thing in your general thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and it was you saying that uh, the execution is poor in the setup throughout the trilogy. But... To me, Days of Future Past is like one of the essentially perfect superhero movies. The idea of putting Apocalypse setup in there to me would just like because one of the reasons X Men first cl- not X Men first class because I think first class is okay. I, I don't hate it's it. Solid. I don't no, it's love a it. solid it's movie, but it's not yeah, as good. It's solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Days of Future Past to me is like there's no fat in that movie, and it came out at the time you know where. You know, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was chasing the MCU, and the MCU was starting to really ramp up its interconnection. So here is a superhero movie that is, you could say interconnected, because it's connecting two iterations of the X-Men together, but it still feels like its own cohesive film in and of itself. Like, I saw about seeing any of the previous X-Men movies, and I was totally fine. Sure. Uh, So to me, that's the thing to me, is like, maybe, maybe you could, quote, fix the other movies to make this one work better, but I would argue that it's not worth hurting those other movies. Yeah. I just personally don't like the TV. Like I don't like TV show aspect of film thing. Like growing up like this, this what you're proposing is cool, but like it didn't exist in cinema until the MCU. And now everyone wants to do it to every single movie. And it's just like, 
that's just not how stories work for me. Like I like things because they're closed off. Like that's why I love something. And it's like the tighter something is, the less questions asked is kind of why, I don't know, there's a bow on top. And you can always make sequels with, you know, in Star Wars, like you can, you can just make a movie. Like all the famous sequels of all time up until recently, they just, you know, made a sequel. They didn't have, they didn't like set it up in the first one. Like it's just, you just write in the next movie. Like you just start somewhere and you just go, oh, it's starting. You don't really need to lay down the seeds or anything. I don't know. That's like my biggest. And so I thought about all the Marvel movies, even stuff like, Shang-Chi, which is one of the more decent things. Like, I felt like they shoehorn in, you know, what's his face? Uh, ben Kingsley. And, like, he's not just there for a scene. He's there, like, the whole rest of the movie. And it's like, what about if, you, if you're a grandpa who's never seen the MCU and you actually want to expand this to, like, people who aren't MCU fans or people of a certain culture, like, now it's like they're not going to have the best. They're, the best version of the movie doesn't exist because, like, you're telling me that their best version of Shang-Chi has this white guy in it for an hour running around. Like if you're a kid 30 years from now, who's never seen a Marvel movie, you're four years old. You go to the DVD section, you go to your grandpa's house, you ping up Shang-Chi because it's Asian superhero. You put it in. You're like, who's this random white guy with them for an hour? It's not the best version of the movie. And it doesn't work for the history's sake. Like 45 years from now, no one's gonna be going like, man, if only they set up that villain three movies before. So it's like, I think it's a, it's a, that's a very now focused thing in, in cinema. I think it's, it works in the MCU, but I think, Every it hasn't worked for anybody else because it's just inherently not their game plan and they're retroactive. They're just trying to add it to a thing, and it's it, you know I don't know. I just think it hasn't worked for anybody but Marvel. Marvel can keep doing it because it's somehow working for them, but ever people keep trying, it just is it's not happening for me. Sorry, I'm sorry for hijacking that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to totally jump on you, Tyler. But I'm sorry, that's my biggest Tyler's pet peeve. Like, I'm never talking in again in this episode. Yeah, that's my pet peeve <laughs> in like all movies in general. But uh, Danny knows, so I had. Well, that. I was I was going to say Apocalypse needs to be your second movie in oh. in your first class. Here I go jumping. You're like, how dare you ruin the yeah. future past? And you're like, I'm not. I'm like, I'm that. I'm not I'm not ruining it. I I would actually I would replace um I would replace your sentinels um with apocalypse because i think you can still work it in narratively the same way um i'm just working with what is there and yeah trying with what's there trying to make it work out to have a more cohesive trilogy i would do first class apocalypse um days of future pass um yeah although i don't think well i don't know you could call it apocalypse i don't know I but, think it was uh, one of those things yeah. where, like, you know, they made Days of Future Past, and it just comes into that, like, problem where you keep, keep upping yourself. Like, they just made yeah. Days of Future Past, and they were like, oh, we got to make Apocalypse. And having listened to the commentary, it's interesting, because, like, Brian knows he changed the structure, and it's kind of, he, he kind of shouldn't have made this movie, and he even talks about maybe how he shouldn't have, because, like, the... the he wants to do a disaster structure, he says. He's like, I wanted to do, like, a Roland Emmerich structure, because the other films have this type of structure. It's Because he's a uh, Star Trek fan. If you actually look at the other films, they're very Star Trek. More, like They've mm-hmm. got a little action base, but they're more Star Trek than Star Wars, he calls them. And if you actually like look at X2 and the ending of it, it's like the exact same ending of Wrath of Khan. Like, the music's the same, the cutout's the same, all the stuff is this, like the lead-outs are the same. But it, in this one, he tried to go disaster movie. And he talks about it in the commentary. But what's funny is, in the commentary, he even mentions that, like, he doesn't like killing a bunch of people and he doesn't like mindless action set pieces and he doesn't like like world destruction. So it's like, he's funny. He even mentioned that he doesn't really like these things, but he's like, kind of like we're on X-Men six. I've done three of these movies and I felt like 
I just had to do it. And you can kind of feel watching that, that it feels like you're making one too many of these, you know, there's a certain point yeah. where the fact of the diminishing returns yeah. thing where you need to freshen it up. And it's like, and it, I think, and it's funny that the, the dig on the return of the Jedi that people kind of got mad at them about yeah. when you watch oh, the commentary, yeah. it's a dig on themselves. Like they comment on it too. Cause like the commentary they filmed like three weeks before the movie came out and Simon and him both comment at like, it says I mean, they think all third movies are hard. Like they understand that. Like Simon did the last stand. He said they understand that's the worst of the three. Like Brian even admits that like they think Apocalypse is like the worst of the three in the commentary, <laughs> and like that like most third movies are hard. Like they mentioned always like they mentioned before that like Batman and Superman and even Spider Man. Like that was like it's really hard to make a three because you're doing the same thing and the tone and you're kind of you kind of run out of ideas and it's freshness. That's why you know the films that have been successful three like something you like Danny like a Ragnarok. Like their initial idea before making it more of a comedy, it was the same basic story, but maybe a better version of a more serious like one and two. And like, no matter how mm-hmm. good that is, it can still feel like stale. Like there's too many of these, right? So you need to just completely yeah. reinvent something. And I think X-Men ran into that thing as much as I like it, where it's like the six movies all have the same basic tone more or less. First class is a little different, but you know, when you tie in the Wolverine say- movies too, it's not too much varying difference. And it also just kind of felt like to me, of course, that uh, Singer was probably, he said all he needed to say with Days of Future Past, you know? Like, that is the ideal, like, the set pieces in there are so strong. Uh, It's a very tight film. Just asking him to come back inherently is going to be lesser because, like, he was like, all right, you guys thought I was bad at Superman Returns. Well, here's how I do on X-Men. Like, I'm back at X-Men, you know? Yeah, exactly. He was like, no, 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 I'm still, you guys forgot how good of a director I was. I'm going to show everybody I still got it. And he does. Like, like the moment, like, Days of Future Past starts, you're like, oh, snap. Like, this guy got, like, this is, this is good. (laughs) Well, I always say, like, well, I I don't say because I I didn't watch the previous movies, but I have to imagine you've seen the previous movies when the X2 theme blares. This year pass, it had to have been incredible. Oh, <laughs> After I, so long for that to return. It was so perfect. And not to make this a Days of Future Pass thing, but since we haven't really <laughs> talked about it, I love that. That's like the perfect prologue movie intro. Like it has the the voiceover opening like the originals do, but it adds mm-hmm. a little bit of like scene before and it's like the future and you're seeing the destruction. It's like Terminator 2. It was just mm-hmm. such an yeah. epic, like you're getting more excited to watch the movie you're watching. And then it, it, it was so perfect because unlike Apocalypse, actually making what makes Apocalypse a little bit worse, right? Is that in X-Men Days of Future Past, it zooms in like on the X logo. Like the kid finds an mm-hmm. X logo on the like the belt. He brushes it off and you see the reflection and then you zoom in on, is the future truly set? Woo! And then the music kicks mm-hmm. in. And then in this one, it's like, okay, he's fallen. They saved him. And then it's like, oh, look at that little hole in the rock. Oh, let's zoom into it. And it's like, it just doesn't have the same thought in, in like, <laughs> like story like narrative the graphics reason. in this one are way cheesier it's like here's the entire history of the universe in yeah. this act yes. I, I like the idea of it but it just it doesn't quite work like i can't lie yeah. like it just is a little too cheesy but i do like that the people going back i like how brutal the opening is a little bit like those people get thrown against the wall they're like skeletons for a second yeah <laughs> and they makes that guy like into a ball like when they scrunch him i did appreciate seeing that just you know and i like ancient egypt in general you know i mean yeah, I always um, give points for that. Not that it's like the greatest scene. I'm just saying that you know, I oh, I will say the first shot though is really good. It reminds me of like Pacific Rim, where I like where it's like, what are you looking at? And it's like, is it space? Is it underwater? It's like it's sand, and the way the sand kind of comes in focus, and it's the dunes is cool. Like Pacific Rim has that moment where it's like you think you're in the stars, and it's like over oh, underwater. It's kind of a similar kind of first shot, which good first shot. Not that that means you know it's a two hour and twenty minute movie, but. 
first shot was <laughs> it's good. too long. <laughs> first, shot, first shot is good. Um, I'm trying to think of there's a lot. There's both a lot here to discuss, and also <laughs> not a lot. I, I touched on I mean, everything. I made a nice little recap. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's let's a crow bike yeah. croissant. Let's talk about some sports. You know, when we talk about everything. <laughs> yeah. we, we got March Madness joke, going. So. <laughs> Uh, you joke, but our last episodes have been very like, all right, let's talk really? about something else. For it. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, we talked about uh, Boba Fett. What else did we end up? We ended up like farther off than just Star Wars. Yeah. I finally um, finished Boba yeah. Fett, and I will say it was fun- it was funny to me. Like I was not enjoying the show, and there was randomly an episode where like it's the Mandalorian again. I was like, "Whoa, this is so <laughs> much better!" Yeah. Like, why is this show twice as good when I'm watching this? Yeah, because you're watching a different show. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. You know what? Maybe because it was made me question. I'm like, wow. Do I need to go back and watch the Mandalorian? Is the Mandalorian this bad too? And I'm just like, was just like, you know, like faded because it was new Star Wars and I was blinded. And then I was like, no, no, Mandalorian must be good because this episode is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um but what no, about? Oh go. Oh, I was I was going to say the. Oh, what's his name? Quicksilver. The Quicksilver oh, yeah. stuff in this, I, I really like the the stuff with him wanting to go to Magneto to talk to him and say like, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you're my, you're my dad. I discovered this." Yeah. Um, I don't don't feel like we really get any good payoff with that, well, and you don't I feel, feel like it this... because it's not there. I mean, well, <laughs> right? It's the, so weird too. I don't know it what is. I feel. Yeah, you don't feel it doesn't exist. <laughs> He's just like, I'm here for my family too. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's the payoff. That's yeah. And the it feels payoff. like to me, it was worried yeah. about being cliche, but then it was like, all right, so we're just going to subvert that and not have it. But mm-hmm. then it's like, at the end, he's like, you ever going to tell him? And he goes, I don't know. Maybe and then later. sure enough, in the next movie, he doesn't tell him. Yeah. So, you know what bothers <laughs> me about that too is this movie, because actually he's a really good actor and he really plays yeah. it well. And going back to those good 45-second Marvel scenes, this movie has one. That moment, real quick, where he tells Mystique, like, I'm always late. Like, you know, for a guy who's so fast. Like, and it fits the comic line, like, I always seem to, like, be a little late or not be there on time. Whatever that is. It's like a 25-second thing, but, like, it hits you. And you feel for him. And you understand, like, you really feel for his character. And then, like you said, it just is not paid off. But it does go to show how good of an actor he is. Because he says that with, like, heart. But also, like, he's still, like, moving his face a lot and, like, jumping, being fidgety. Um, yeah, to me, to so. me, in a sense, it feels like, um, and I, I don't know if this is, uh, this is just me spitballing. This probably isn't the actual production of it at all, but it feels like to me that you know, probably maybe the script was written without him in it, and then they're like, he was such a big part of like everyone was like, oh, he was so good in Days of Future Past, and he's barely in that movie, mm-hmm. but like. I'd still say he's probably the one of the best parts of this, even yeah. with all the stuff that's oh, like yeah. fought of him. I think his every fighting scene at the end is, is the only action beat that works for me. Pretty much in the entire movie. <laughs> I like the um, I like the ending where like they go in the mine, and then I like when Gene walks out. That moment is pretty good when oh, the music yeah, kicks in. Cool, and like, yeah. That's pretty yeah. dope. But yeah, that's like. It's kind of apocalyptic. I mean, Quicksilver is one of the better parts of the movie. But and and I don't. I think they knew he had to bring him back. He was so popular when they wanted him. But just like you said, yeah. it feels like they don't have a main character, and they don't. I don't think they found a way to have like. How can we have a main through line and somehow connect all these characters? So like you say, they just keep intercutting. And watching it again today, like you say, it, it's like not that the first act's bad, but it takes so long. I pause it. We're forty five minutes in, and it's like. Like you say, they're still like on the same day with some characters. It feels like we're further with other characters. And I kept, we're like, wow, we're just here with, with Mystique. We're still only in this alleyway. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're still only at Caliban. Like it does move a little, 
I don't know. It's again, it's unfocused as we kind of talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but poor Oscar Isaac in that, in that makeup. I mean, Oh my God. That poor Oscar Isaac in general. I can, uh, it's, you know, when I it's, first saw yeah. this, I only really knew him from star Wars, right? Sure. Uh, oh, force really? awakens. Well, he, he wasn't in that no. many stuff. You didn't see like inside Lou and Dave and stuff. I missed that uh, when it was first out. I've seen it by now, sure, but back then, no. no uh, actually, fun fact, uh, <laughs> Tyler. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, you said this on the podcast. You said you think this is the only thing you've seen Oscar Isaac in besides Star Wars, right? Really? I thought. I, I think you said that. I think so. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, which means yeah. that our next screen room, I got to give you maybe inside. Maybe I'll I'll find something of Oscar Isaac in it that's good hey, <laughs> like, what's, I'll, I'll find something what's the there was, that there's a lot of options when he's like a gang guy like a mafia guy oh. with garbage and stuff garbage i was gonna people. say i think that's a, i didn't see that one but i think it's the most violent year thank you that's what uh, it's called yeah uh, that's all right and he, he's I, a good actor well i realized a fun connection there is that he worked with Justine on that and her, their new hbo show and Justine is the forgettable marvel villain in dark phoenix yes yeah. <laughs> so then they, they both came back for being forgettable Marvel villains. Let me just say this. You want us to talk bad about Apocalypse. It is much better than Dark Phoenix. Like, <laughs> yes. Actually. Yes. Dark Phoenix is like actually, inco- like as a filmmaking standpoint, kind of incompetent. Like Brian Singer is still like a, oh, a yeah. talented yeah. person. And like, it is like, there's a there's an action set piece where they play Frogger crossing a street. And it was like not even wide shots. And it's like, these are X-Men characters. And it's like, there's like a six minute set piece of them going across a three lane road in New York City at, I don't know. I don't. It just. Yeah, yeah. It's like really they redo bits from Last Stand worse, which is like somehow hilarious. Like they're like, remember Last Stand? We had the one of the better parts of Last Stand is like they had this cool house fight in the house, and it's like that's one of the better parts. And like you know, uh, with Professor X dies, and it's like it's a well done scene, and it's like emotional to an extent. And then this one's like, yeah, what if we fought in a cul-de-sac in front of a house? And it's like, wh- why? Like, <laughs> like what? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, I think I think the best the best stuff with dark phoenix is uh the stuff that they do with magneto which is uh, <laughs> an ongoing uh, thing in this yeah it's movies. an ongoing thing in <laughs> at least, he's, at least he stays yeah. good in that one but yeah oh man i do like i don't know if you guys caught this if you haven't seen the movies much of me but you know there's a nice little it, it's weird but it kind of makes a nice full circle at the end of at the end of this film uh uh magneto says the same exact ending dialogue to uh, Professor uh, Xavier as he does at the end of the first X-Men, but it's in a completely different way. So at the first X-Men, when they're playing chess, he knocks over the thing. He goes, doesn't it bother you in the middle? Doesn't it worry in the middle of the night they might come? And, you know, whatever. And he, says, mm-hmm. and he says that whole thing back to him, but it's a little more aggressive. And then in this movie, they have the same last interaction, but it's a little lighter with different implications, which is a nice mm, kind of full circle yeah. thing. And I will say, watching it again, I, will, I am obsessed. And I really think it's the coolest thing ever. The final like shot of this movie though is epic. Like the the doors closing on his face, and he looks so cool with the lighting and the, I don't know why yeah. but the, the music as because the music I do like that about all the X Men movies, the, the Brian Singer X Men films. Which I sorry to say his name in a positive light, but the the X Men films that were made by those people um, they end with a nice fist pump. Like they always have a nice like music build and build and build, and like the credits always come right when the music peaks, like dun 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 dun, dun, dun and it really makes you go like, all right, yeah. You just okay. That leads me into uh, the thing that got me the most mad about this movie when it came <laughs> out, which is that I think Days of Future Past has such a great ending. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, Days of Future Past is the weakest thing about that. Not is the is the ending. Okay, but whatever. Let, let me make my point. Let no, me no, go for it. Go for it. I just wanted, I just wanted to see so, your face. Go sad for a sec. 
Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Days of Future Past has better elements, obviously. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just talking about the final, like, send off. Like, I, well, I just thought it was going to, you know, because like, it's confusing because it's like, they don't really tie it up because like it's Mystique's actually in charge of Wolverine, but it's well, like, that's, that's what I mean. It's 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 a little cliffhanger. I, oh, I think it feels. It feels. I remember it, Days of Future Past differently. I was thinking that it ended. Uh, I was thinking that it ended like it went to black after um, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Stewart uh says, "Let me like Professor what? X." Professor Sorry, X, God. yes. When he God. says, "When he says, uh." Let me like we have a lot to talk about, or yeah. let me tell you this or whatever. I like. I thought uh, it ended there. I forgot that it goes back to okay. the seventies. Yeah, Jay, I cool. get why you don't like this because it's very kind of post credit sceney. But my point is, is that it's it sets up this idea that the the line is like the future is never really set. Mm-hmm. So it's offering you this massive divergence in the timeline where Wolverine yes. goes under the care of Mystique. Yeah, but in this movie. He's at Weapon X, and they yeah. never like they don't ever acknowledge it. Yeah. And I just remember I think being I excited retroactively to see, like, don't like yeah. it so much. I think now that Apocalypse come out, I always get mad when I watch it because they don't follow it up. So I think that's part of that's the issue for me. Actually, it's actually Apocalypse's fault, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because at the time I was so excited. I was like, oh, because because you know Hugh Jackman had always said like, lo, like the next Wolverine will be my last one. You know, maybe I'll pop up an X Men. I don't know. So I'm like, okay, Apocalypse. I don't know. So I was like, oh, cool. They are gonna put him in. He's gonna have like this cool relationship of like. All of them already, and then he's gonna probably become a bad guy and be one of the horsemen. And no, it's like none of that happened at the end of Days of Future Past. We just we actually uh, colored uh, Striker's eye wrong. Yeah, <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing happened there. Yeah, and it's just like, are you kidding me? Because that would have been like so <laughs> so cool. Uh, it just gets See, me. Mad. It bothers it really me in the opposite way, I guess, because I kind of think of, like Apocalypse exists, and for me if you just change the eyes to being like striker and like I want to line of that, like then it, it, it works completely fine because then it like, Oh, it makes sense. Like he ended up where he belonged. So I think I retroactively don't like the days of future past ending. Cause I felt like they didn't follow it up. And if you weren't going to follow it up, then why make his eyes yellow? And it was like, the, but, but, the, but the combo of the, the eye turning yellow and the line, and like, the, the future is never really set. Yeah. It's like, such a great like bam credits but moment. It's not as much uh, as a fist pump for me, but um, yeah, I get why you like it. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a fist pump, yeah. but it's like an exciting moment. Sure. Like, yeah, but, but going with what you say, I agree. All yeah. the, the but they all have good <laughs> endings. Like that's a good ending. Days of Future Past has a nice fist pump. Last final shot. You know, even this movie's got a nice little yeah. like, yeah, look, he looks like Patrick Stewart. He's bald. The doors closed. Music pump, and yeah. yeah. And then like X one and X two also have nice little like like X one. He beats him at like you know you see them in the prison and it goes back. You're like yeah. And then in the second movie, you're like, yeah, Phoenix. So it's like, they're good at those little yeah moments. So credit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else here to really break down to before we go into our awards. Um, besides, uh, of course, what we always talk about at the end. Yeah. But um, I, I guess I want to also mention that the Quicksilver scene, while good, the, the what? Hold your hand. The, the, the sweet dreams. It's not yeah. as good as, of course, Days of Future Past because it does. it's not yeah. as integral to the plot like it just doesn't mm-hmm. it, it feels a little bit just placed in as cool as it is yeah and yeah. It, it doesn't quite have the same impact that the scene in the future past still has it honestly it feels like a rehash uh, it just feels like a rehashing of a successful past yeah. plot point which is really what it is but well, it's just um, power but it also true um which is it, it yeah also, though, it, it feels like something I would find on YouTube that's like fan 
like a fan made, like really high quality fan made. I will say, and the tough uh, thing, thing, I still watch the but, making of. I can tell you that that whole scene took like two months alone to film. <laughs> I bet <laughs> like, oh, they, wow. took, they took like thirty days of photography to film that scene. So yeah, you know, it's yeah. What I was gonna say is, I think it really does the the aftermath of that scene really like punctuates how much of an afterthought Quicksilver is to the script because they're like. You know, Cyclops walks in. He's like, "Wait, where's my brother?" And he's like, "What are you? Who are you even talking about?" I, think I got everybody. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, he's just, like so nonchalant about yeah. it because he I hasn't met any of these people yet. <laughs> my favorite part of this whole movie, actually, I think, is we is when he goes, "We don't know, bro." <laughs> when he's like standing, <laughs> in, just like in a wide shot, he's like in the back, and they're like, "Come on, where's Professor X? Where's?" And they keep asking him, and he's just like. We don't know, bro. It's like the most honest <laughs> moment like ever. I don't know. I love it so much. I think my favorite, <laughs> this movie has one of my favorite, because uh, the thing that's great about the Fox X-Men movie and not the uh, Marvel movies is that they can say fuck. Yeah. Uh, because I always oh. think of the Guardians of the yes. Galaxy. I, Guardians of the Galaxy where they go like, he said what the Guardians of the freaking Galaxy, but he didn't say freaking. It's like, no, this is PG-13. Just just say it. Just say it. Uh, but, but didn't say frickin' fits the tone of Guardians. I'll give that a pass. Come on. Uh, whatever. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, I think of... You're making me defend here. Marvel over here. Look what this podcast has done. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, but here, I just remember, like, watch... I had forgotten it was there. And I was watching that really dramatic scene where he's, like, confronting his co-workers for like doing it and just behind him appears apocalypse and everyone else dressed ridiculously i'm like this is so stupid but then he goes well, who the fuck are you and it's like oh yeah okay like that that works they know this looks really stupid but like, it's <laughs> like don't make me not kill these people and then, like he says it really like leans into it but i do like how apocalypse just like people just fall into yeah, the floor it's a, yeah yeah and going back, I guess, to the original, what I said, like, sorry about the part, like the X-Men thing, like in the first, like I like liked all the films, is they do a lot of the close-ups, a lot of tight lenses that some of the Marvel films haven't gotten until maybe the new Doctor Strange, where like when Apocalypse wakes up, there's that nice just shot of his eye, the one eye waking mm, up. Yeah, yeah. Or like the close-up of the, his fingers going across the wall before he like ter- push that, pushes that guy into the wall when he saves Storm. And then going back to X2, there's like that shot where he, the really tight macro shot of when he lights the cigarette and he's like puffing yeah. on the cigarette. It's a good shot. So, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that I I remembered like when the scene when the scene came up with uh with him being in the the it's a metal factory thing. Metal yeah. factory, yeah. Um when when he's there like I was waiting for it cuz I remembered I was like, "Oh yeah, he says this line." And I <laughs> I just I just yeah, it's such a I don't know, it's a really fun fun moment but uh I, I, yeah i'm looking it up now but i remember making a letterbox list because this was back when I, I i got my letterbox in november 2015 for specter and the martian uh so summer 2016 would have been the year i really started using it and uh i uh this is i liked making those hyper specific letterbox lists that are in jokes and i have one that uh is a little dated because it's x-men apocalypse and assassin's creed and it says 2016 PG 13 Fox temples where Michael Fassbender says fuck to make the audience laugh while also setting up a sequel that will never be made. Thanks a lot. Dark Phoenix. Now I got to delete this list. Yeah, Come on. <laughs> you, knew, you knew they were going to keep making movies. Come on. Long this this is a little bit of a disappointment. It's a little bit of a disappointment at the time. So. No, uh, for, for sure. Um, what else? Yeah. Was there? Oh, you know, what? it's funny is have you guys seen the deleted scenes at all or the, the extended mall scene? 
Tyler is the one who always watches um, deleted scenes. That's Come the on, thing. Dude. I always watch the deleted scenes, <laughs> and I've only ever watched this on streaming, and I don't think that I've looked at the deleted scenes. For so this that's one. the one thing I disagree with. You know, there's a like a two and a half minute montage like of them at the mall. So instead of it just walking over Return of Jedi, it's like I've heard them about walking the around. Yeah, they're going like if you're gonna if you want to, and it's like they're running around the mall. They're doing all these cool mall things and talking to girls and going to stores and. And like break dancing, and it like I don't know. I always liked it because it's like we spend more time with those characters, and then it's like because now it's like let's go to the mall, and then they just leave the mall. So it's like it makes no sense. There at least, had a, and he said he cut it for pace, and I was like, you know what? You've already dragged this out long enough. <laughs> what do you mean? You know, I mean, he can't squeeze two minutes of them having fun in the mall. Yeah. Like, come on. It's like it's like that. It's like that quote from Matt Reeves recently where he's like, I cut out the scene from the Batman because yeah. it, it messed up the pacing. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, but well, then he also was the person who said, he, Matt Reeves says that like, he had to keep like the Joker scene in and all these other scenes. <laughs> and I'm like, I listen, I don't know if it was that uh, quite necessary. But, uh, uh, spoilers for the Batman, by the way. Yeah. But oh, it doesn't, it, it's, it's okay. I, oh, the Joker's in a Batman movie. Who would have thought? Anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, all right. Let's talk about our last two things that we always talk about. The score we kind of talked about already. Love the John Ottman X-Men theme. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic 100% always. Ron, real quick, John, uh, John Ottman X-Men theme is fantastic all the way through. And they do have little remnants I like. They play the theme from Days of Future Past. Xavier's theme comes mm-hmm. in here and there. And I do like the kind of like when they're going to battle, it's like dun, 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 when they all start kind of getting ready. But no, so good, good music throughout and good you know sound mixing stuff. That's always going to be yeah. the case with this type of movie but i'm glad you pointed yeah, out the music i almost forgot and a lot of people don't mention yeah it. and also what well, we always try to mention the score because you know marvel scores are always <laughs> you have to you have to talk about them because no one is yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but i also think always what's interesting to me with ottman scores and i remember at the time definitely thinking this because this was the around the time you know uh captain america winter so i think this pass right yeah that's my go-to of like uh of course I don't, I don't think the Amazing Spider-Man 2 score or uh, the Winter Soldier score ever really sticks out, other than, of course, like the Winter Soldier theme mm-hmm. uh, in Winter Soldier. Uh, and then, of course, I always think these are always mixed incredibly well because I think partially because John Ottman is the editor of these films. Yeah. Uh, and I always think it's cool he wears both hats. It's mm. super cool. Yeah. And it must be amazing to edit. Because I will say, as someone who like you know, has made a movie, like it would probably be so helpful. Because usually you have to edit, you have to guide it, and then the, then the composer gets in, he has to decide... Oh, should I put this music here or there? But you know, when Amon's editing it, he's already thinking of every option and, and he's kind of doing both jobs mm-hmm. at once, which is just like so helpful. But a funny side story about that I heard uh, he's talking about, I think in the commentary for this or Days of Future Past, I'm not sure which movie it was, but I guess he had was doing a lot of the movie at home and he has like a setup mm-hmm. at his house and he's like editing and doing the score in his room. And there was like a deadline, they were running late or something and he has to turn it by a certain you know, time in a couple of days. And it was too loud. And, like, he kept getting noise complaints. And, like, this old lady kept playing. Someone complained. I was like, hey, can you, like, stop doing your thing? And he goes, and I can tell, like, people would come over and they think I'm just some, like, nerd doing a podcast or something. Like, no offense. But, or some of my guys. And it's like, guys, you don't understand. This is a $200 million X-Men movie. Like, this isn't just a little side project. Like, this isn't my YouTube page. Like, I swear I need to work, guys. So, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, that is pretty funny. Uh, and then the last thing we always talk about is, of course, the post credit scene, which uh, really just sets up Logan. Yeah. Air quotes subtly. I don't really think you would think it's setting up anything unless you've seen Logan already. And 
I had forgotten that it sets up Logan. It's really weird to have a movie that takes place in 1980 set up a movie that takes place, I think, in like 20, the 2030s. Yeah, 20, I don't remember exactly when. Is it 49 uh, or 39? Uh, 2049 would be Blade Runner, so I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, one of yeah. those. It's not right. directly setting it up. I, think. I mean, it's the Essex Corporation, right? I don't know. Like, I can't pronounce it right. I said it wrong. I, I think it's setting it up because they're like collecting Wolverine's DNA, and they're the people who clone Wolverine in yeah. Logan. Yeah, but what so I also corp- thought was, I mean, I'm not a con person, but I, some, I remember yeah. people went at the day saying that it's also hinting at Mr. Sinister, and it could, so mm. it could have also been like, that corporation mm. is bad, and I guess they do a lot of things in X-Men, so that those people are the bad people in Logan, but they also mm-hmm. could have somehow been another bad person for a future X-Men film if they wanted to go that route. Yeah, I remember, True. I think it actually came out recently in the news that John Hammett said he was tentatively attached to play him, uh, Mr. Sinister, but then it just didn't pan out. Oh, really? Uh, probably when Singer was off a of Dark Phoenix, it, you know. Yeah, I, I, guess, I, but, I yeah. will say, I wish if they made, I mean, if they should have just stopped at their pockets, but they didn't want to, you know, I would have wondered when it would have been nice to see singers, dark Phoenix, not to, not to the yes. but just because I'm just curious because you know, he never got that. Yeah. So. I always, I always thought about that when the whole, everything fell out. I'm like, you know, it's really dumb that they set up all this to redo dark Phoenix. And the only reason to redo it was to see what Brian, you know, what singers <laughs> X three would have been. Yeah, and it's almost like the reason it's like, oh, he got a, he got Cyclops again. Because if you always heard back to his thing was supposedly what he talks about after X two was his X Men three was not Wolverine as the lead. He was shifting it, and Cyclops was the lead character of his mm. X-Men 3, which was a very interesting choice, right? But it was like... Love James Morrison. Love James Morrison. He said, he said Wolverine... I mean, I'm sure he says it like that, and I'm sure from a studio perspective, yeah. I'm sure Wolverine still would have been the lead. Maybe James Morrison's like, yeah. you know, the second lead or whatever. But the idea yeah. was he was going to have a huge role. So in Apocalypse, he's setting up, he recasts, you know, the characters, he gets a new, you know, Cyclops. So it seems like, oh, he could do what he wanted to do, and then they're just like, yeah, never mind. So yeah, I mean, but he went to the, the reason why it makes sense. The reason why they, yeah, the reason why it made sense. So, but it's it is just weird, you know. Yeah, but, it's uh, Logan uh, is set in twenty twenty nine. You really, you were really working on that. I no, looked it up. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> uh, it was a nine though, so you got it, that part right. Yeah, I had no idea. All right, let's move on to our awards. Um, MVP uh, for me. Uh, I'm going to say the actor is Evan Peters, which we've already talked about a lot. I think he does a lot of good here. But I'm going to go with actually a character here as my true MVP, which is that, you know, X2, one of the coolest parts of it is Nightcrawler, and then he never came back. This finally gave us more Nightcrawler action. You know, for the first hour or so of the movie, it's kind of like they're still not really doing anything of him. But then in the mm-hmm. third act, he gets a lot of cool stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of nice action beats. Uh, so, yeah, Night- I-, I enjoy, I think Nightcrawler. Uh, I love the way always his powers like shown in the movies, and mm-hmm. it was cool to see him again. Uh, I think Cody McPhee is struggling a little bit with that accent, but whatever. It's I it's I was glad you pointed him out. I forgot to mention him. He is my other like MVP. I love him in the movie. I think he's really funny. I think he's really good as Nightcrawler. Like honestly, yeah. I think he's he adds so much nice humor and lightness. I wish he was in it more. Yeah, wish you, maybe he's in that mall scene a lot. I don't know. He is. That's, that's why I was bummed the mall scene was cut because he's kind of the focus of that. He's like a fish out of water and they're showing him around the mall. Mm-hmm. And then he starts like, people are like, oh, like kind of weirded out by him at a point. But then like he break dances and then everyone comes to like, like him. <laughs> that would have been like, great. And it's, it's actually a fun little scene. But, you know. I, I mm-hmm. crack up each time that uh, it's when Mystique and Nightcrawler first arrive at the X-Mansion and um, Mystique and Hank are having this 
what's supposed to be this oh. real sentimental like reunion, you know, talk and uh and then he just pops out of nowhere. He's like, I'm blue. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, and it's just he just yeah, moves head into frame. And yeah, I I I like that part. Um for me, the MVP is Michael Fassbender, because I'm a true fanboy. Um I think that he he plays the emotion really really well um and i i like i could i can sympathize with him even though i know that he he can ultimately become a a major villain i can still sympathize with him for the pain that he's feeling um you know i can sympathize with him for the pain that he's feeling but maybe not uh, sympathize to the point that it's like, oh, that justifies your actions, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's great performance by him. Um, I just think that they, for that emotional payoff, I think that he, we needed more time with his family than for him to, like, it's within the first thirty to forty-five minutes that. His family's killed, and you also probably need more time with Quicksilver actually acknowledging that acknowledging he's his yeah. <laughs> instead of like the first time that we see Quicksilver, he's like, "Well, that's Dad. I gotta go find Dad." <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but yeah. So I yeah I I think that I I really enjoy this Magneto trying to walk the right path. You know, and the question of that he yells out loud, is this who I am? You know, am I ultimately destined to to always walk down this path of of the wicked? You know, am, I mean, the answer yeah. is yes. Yeah, I was going to say the, the answer, answer is 100%. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Um, that's a fact. That's a guarantee. <laughs> I will ask a question. Well, how did you guys like the visuals? Did you of the like, what do you think about the like arc things that they make? with the things coming, you know, with him going into the ground or something. I I think that they look, I think that they look really good. Um, and I think that it's really cool that they acknowledge that there's all these elements that are also metal, that it's more than just, um, you know, say like this speaker that I have in my hand has metal in it so he can control that. You know, um, I think that they broaden the horizon of, what Magneto can fully control. Um, I think by acknowledging that. Out of people's bodies. I mean, there should have been. <laughs> he give, did that. Give me the hard R but, Magneto movie. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I think it looks, it looks really good, but I, I just, I, think I don't know. There's something about well. it. Yeah. There's something about uh, it that I'm like, what happens with all of mm-hmm. this, you uh, know, this material. To me, Maybe it's just, I don't know why. To me, a lot of the third act just kind of looks like plastic to me. Or like, I don't know if that's the right word, but like very CGI heavy. And I wasn't mad at the time for it because I kind of get that they were trying to chase, you know, like, uh, you know, like the Avengers citywide destruction. You know, like they wanted to have the big action finale for yeah. once. So the last movie all they did was move a stadium. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's just kind of like, it kind of adds to that whole thing where the third act, I'm like, I'm a little tired with it because I only really care about Quicksilver here, mm-hmm. you know? So... So, but that that's aesthetically. Like aesthetically, I just there's a couple shots specifically. I think of Olivia Munn's character Psylocke, where it's just kind of like I'm like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I it doesn't look right to me. I don't know why. 
But sure. I think it com- might be compositing, but yeah, I don't know. Well, who's your MVP? Is it the visuals uh, or is it something else? I chose visuals last week, so that is an well, option. It was Doctor Strange. Yeah. It was Doctor Strange. <laughs> that, that, that way I feel like makes a bit more sense than this. But who's your MVP, Jay? Um, I guess I was going to say, it was Quicksilver we talked about that. I'd say, I'll say the lighting. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah you can allow that. We'll I, allow that if we I, allow. My, my favorite thing about the movie is probably the lighting. <laughs> probably the thing I'm most interested in every scene. I'm like, oh, this is, this is, I like the lighting in this shot. Oh, that's pretty mm-hmm. well lit. You know, and that's like, you know, that kind of carries me through it. Mm. Not that it's right. as well then, shot as the other X movies necessarily, but it's still, still well lit. Yeah. Uh, best scene. All right. So. There were two big discourses with this movie when it came out. One of them was, and I think still think this is dumb, cancel me if it is. Uh, I remember people getting mad that there were billboards of oh, yeah. Apocalypse choking Mystique. Because they're like, this promotes violence towards women. And I was like, no, it, no, it, it doesn't. I don't want, no. <laughs> uh, that said, in the movie, it does go on very long. And I remember I was like, oh yeah, this actually is kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, it goes on quite a bit. Uh, well, but... The other thing was the scene where Magneto completely wrecks Auschwitz, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. which is a scene that I really like because I think I think it's the one time to me actually Apocalypse does work in this movie. It's the one time he's actually me, pers- being persuasive to someone. Yeah, yeah, like he makes uh, it actually uses Oscar Isaac's charisma for once, uh, and also it's just uh, Fassbender's acting brilliant out of it, and it's also just something. You would never see in like a Disney, I, I say Disney, but MCU, but yeah. Disney ran superhero movie. Like the audacity of going to Auschwitz, just being like, we're going to rip it apart yeah. CGI wise. Uh, I love it. Like, I cannot sure. believe it's, it, I honestly can't even believe it happened in a Fox movie in 2016, like so late in the game that mm. this was still like, we'll, we'll let this happen. Because it those, feels like somewhat taboo, but it's still like yeah. it's well executed. Both those controversies are overdone. Because I agree with you about the, the, the that that one is like I mean they they're in the first movie. That's where his origin is. I mean we've seen yeah, it. Yeah. Not only X Men One, but also X Men First Class. Yep. So yeah. it, it has. Uh, if it was just a scene to go there to go, you haven't been there before, then sure. But because it has thematic weight, I think you're allowed to go there. And it, it's it's a movie. It's an X Men movie. Yeah. I mean, people relax, people. And then the other one. For me, that's the same thing. Where that's to me, okay. She is the leader of the X Men at that point, and if you watch the film, she's giving the speech and she's in charge of the X Men. She is the leader of the X Men at the end of the film. She's leading mm-hmm. them in the like. She's even training them. So the concept is like she. And I remember the whole thing was uh, I forget what actress was. I forget Rose or whatever her uh, Rose, Rose McGowan. McGowan Rose McGowan or, or whatever. No, I think said, like Rose she didn't McGowan. know what to oh. tell her. Da- I don't want to be speak for him, but she said she didn't know what to tell her daughter when she saw that. But it's like. Yeah. Oh, as a kid, all you have to do is say, like, oh, that woman is the most strongest superhero in the world, and this is the new strongest villain, so they're just trying to show how tough he is in the marketing. And it's mm-hmm. like, your kid's going to go, okay, and just continue to look at their Game Boy. So it's, <laughs> it just seems a little, it was, it's a, I get where they're coming from, but at some point is, you know, it's, I get, cause maybe it's because they're showing direct violence on the thing, but mm-hmm. again, I know, that I know, meant, like, there was, you have to like look deeper than it at it, which I get that some people do, and it and it can make if it made someone upset. I'm sorry, but I think and it's not. I'm not charging the Fox market. I don't care. Yeah, but yeah. it's like 
I think it's it's just to showcase that like look how strong this villain is. But um, I can see why maybe it upset people. I'm not sure if yeah. I would say like if I was making that movie, I'd be like that's what I want. I don't know if I, I would put it up on a huge billboard. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I get it being in the marketing for trailers. Yeah, the trailer. I, I don't know yeah. about the poster. Exactly. But well, whatever. Like, but but again, uh, as most controversies, it wasn't even a real controversy. It was just people online being a little upset. Yeah. And, and it's something yeah. to point out. <laughs> hey, that's a little weird. Maybe you don't need to market it that way. But it's also like. No one's doing that it's, with deeper thought. It's just like they didn't think deep enough about it. You know, they're just like, oh, it's okay. You know, do this. Yeah, it's. I would say it's discourse. It's not really a controversy. Sure. Uh, if, if we're gonna, if I want to get very semantic about it. I do want to say one thing. Sorry, bef- I, this is like a side tangent, but I did mention, mention it earlier. We were talking about, I talked very briefly, like how I was excited to see Wolverine as like a horseman. I didn't get that. The other thing I was so excited for was the return of Rose Byrne and yes. she's given pretty much nothing to work yep. with in this movie. Yep, and right. it takes till the end for, for Xavier to give her the memories back. Yeah. And I was getting so mad at that. I was like, what? Why? Watch this at the end of the movie. Why didn't this happen like as soon as she went to the mansion or whatever? Or like when they were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My favorite part of Rose, I, I will say, I do like the beginning. Like, I like she's like yeah, little female you. Indiana Jones. Like, she's I like her outfit. I like that she's out like trying to find stuff and exploring and hands on. But like you say, like kind of just disappears after that. But then like yeah. they suit her up. Like she's wearing a flight suit. She's just she's basically an X Men with them flying that plane. Yeah. <laughs> what a disappointment. But it's yeah yeah. All right. Well, uh, for me, it's when Scott is introduced to the school. It feels very much uh, the same as X Men, the uh, first X Men film, with Ma- uh, Magneto, with Wolverine being introduced uh, to the school. And I think that's always it. I like. I wish we had more time. Uh, it's something that I really like about X Two is the time that we get to spend at the X Mansion. You know, and because like, like growing up as a kid, uh, X-Men, I used to watch a cartoon called X-Men Evolution. And I thought it was so great because I was like, there's this school where these kids can go to and they have superpowers and they see like there are other kids with superpowers and they're like, they're not, you know, forced to like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's really, really cool. And it's a really cool concept. And I think that I I really hope whatever the MCU does with mutants, I really hope that we get we get more of that. Um, that we get more of the expansion of of yeah. the academy. Um, and so yeah, I just love that time with Scott being intro- introduced at the school. Not necessarily because of Scott, but just that. That like uh, it's that overall message with like X Men. The X Men comics have a ton of uh, positive messaging mm-hmm. in them, and it's that message message of no matter your circumstance, no matter what makes you unique, you know, like you are accepted here. There is a place for you, you know, somewhere. You just have to find the like the right. The right people. I don't know. I, I'm no, no, butchering no, no. I this message of positivity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree to, with you. I'm just chuckling because yeah. you're like, there's always a place for you, but in this case, he got him because of nepotism. Just, just I mean, I, I mean, I true. Say, I, but I, just double, I, I do agree with you 100. I actually really yeah. love hanging out at the X Mansion, and that's one of my favorite things about this movie too. Is just those few scenes when we're there. I like it. I like seeing Professor X teaching the students. I like seeing him just mm-hmm. yeah. show Scott the tree and him shooting it down. Like it's just nice seeing them hang out there. 
And another little small ad I thought was funny is like, I remember watching Deadpool and Deadpool makes that joke. Like, yeah, we're just going to blow up the mansion again or whatever. And then they blow it up and the next one, people are like, oh, they blew it up. And it's like, you know, they actually technically in the movies hadn't blown it up yet. But it's funny that like Deadpool (laughs) makes that joke that they always blow it up, even though they hadn't. And the next movie does. I remember people being like, yeah, look, they did what Deadpool did. It's like, that's not, I feel, I almost felt bad (laughs) that Apocalypse did that like two months after Deadpool made fun of it because they hadn't even done it before. But, yeah, yeah, it is fun. And, and then, uh, uh, what is it? It's in. I think it's in the first Deadpool when he says says something. He's like, "We hear at this academy, but it always seems like it's empty. Like there's no the one sec- ever, ever one, here." Yeah, is that in the second one? Yeah, I think that one's in the second one because then the camera pans over to them all cameoing. Yeah. And oh yeah. Close the door. Yeah. <laughs> he just like leans over and closes. The door. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so Jay, what about you? Uh, what's your favorite favorite scene? In the movie? Yeah. Oof, my favorite scene in the whole movie. That's, t- you know, I, uh, uh, wow, I don't know. That's a tough <laughs> one. I can't, it's like I, I got stumped by such a simple, simple thing. I guess I'll just go with the beginning. I guess I'll go with the Scott stuff. I'll copy. I just say I like the stuff with, with Xavier and Scott hanging out. Just a little, I call it the Harry Potter moments, you know, where it's yeah. like he bumps yeah. into her and catches yeah. the, the papers and stuff like that. I like that stuff. And I also like, just the brief scene where like she does uh, have the vision. Like I just like I like the shot of him going down the hall and the walls are like bubbling up. I like that quite a mm, bit. Yeah, yeah. So, all the stuff in the beginning at the school is my favorite stuff. So I'll agree with you. Yeah. All right. Um, and then next is the worst scene. Now, before I say mine, I do want to mention because I don't. Maybe this is Jay's worst scene. And I'm stepping on his toes here, but we have not mentioned it at all. It's not a scene. <laughs> well, maybe Tyler will bring it up. But it's a scene I've always thought about this movie for the last six years since it's come out, right? It's been out for six That's years. How old we are coming now. this May. Yeah. Uh, this is the one scene I've remembered and quoted for the last six years. And it's when Apocalypse goes into the house, looks at the TV, and Storm's <laughs> like, What are you doing? And he goes, Learning. <laughs> <laughs> was that I, I, impression? What was that? <laughs> that that's what he sounds like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I always say, I always like, there's, I remember even just like the year after the movie came out, I would like, if I was like in a room and like I was quiet and the TV was rambling <laughs> on and there were people there like just talking, I'd just be like, learning to the TV. <laughs> like, it was just, it's such a dumb, mo- I, I was simultaneously tempted to put it as best scene and as worst scene. <laughs> Uh, but I I just wanted to talk about that scene very movie because uh, it's the one part of this movie where Apocalypse gets campy enough to me that I enjoy that performance. The rest of it's just boring. <laughs> um, but to me, the worst sequence is the Wolverine sequence. I kind of laid out why it's a disappointment that if your past sets up, but it's also just like you know, X Men First Class. You know, it's sold as a movie that it only has Wolverine in that cameo. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Uh, and then, of course, it's your past with the crossover movie. So we go back to this, where it's like, all right, this is your past. Everyone went to go see it. Everyone now likes Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy's and all these versions of the X-Men. And we're going to do a big movie just with them. Just kidding. We need to give Wolverine five minutes in the middle of the movie to do what we've seen him do multiple times before. And then we get a really weird scene with him and Jean Grey that sets up that they're going to be a thing into each other, like, in 30 years. I don't know. I just don't like the entire fact that Wolverine is here. So that's my worst scene. Everything else in the movie that's bad with it is like, it's over stuff, whatever, whatever. This is a sequence that exists 
Weirdly, I remember actually, this is what I always talk about this scene, is that I went to see Civil War of a sold out uh, audience with my roommate in college and previous guests on the podcast, Julius Jefferson. Uh, and so I uh, Civil War, we get that X, the final X-Men Apocalypse trailer yep. where the teaser at the end is just the Wolverine X, yeah. Claws coming out. And it's supposed to be like really cool. And Julius just yells, I can't believe Spider-Man's in this one. And everyone just laughs. It is exactly, that trailer is the exact same beat of the reveal of Spider-Man being yeah. in Civil War in that trailer. But it's like, who cares? We've seen Wolverine before. And it's just, I, I hate it. <laughs> it is the thing about this movie. I hate the most. Uh, it's probably actually the one thing about this movie I do hate. Everything else was kind of yeah. like, I'm bored, I'm indifferent to it, but I hate that Wolverine is um, I will just say two things. First off, <laughs> I think, I, I wonder if what they had instead, if that was supposed to be the scene, because listening to the commentary too, like, they did not shoot that till like March, and the movie came out then. Like, the movie was already done yeah. shooting, and they were waiting, Ooh. and he had to really convince, I know he had to convince him. Like, I know Je- Hugh didn't want to do it at first, and Brian was like, just please do it. <laughs> I think this, right. it was a combination <laughs> of, like, a lot of things. I think the studio was kind of, like, putting pressure on it, too, and they were just kind of mm-hmm. like, we need to get a way out. Like, let's do it, Hugh. Like, let's come on. It's the last hurrah. And it's like, well, it's something you just haven't quite played. You're going to do Logan, so do, like, the opposite version real quick and just do the mindless version, you know? Mm-hmm. And basically, that's why it was filmed later, I guess, too, is because he had to get in shape again. So it was like he did a he filmed it right before Logan. So I guess he shot that, and then started shooting Logan like a month later. Mm. So it was like right before. So it was interesting, but it makes me wonder because it was shot so late. Did they and they had to convince him? I don't know when he said that. It took a while to convince him. Did they convince him and then they waited six seven months to shoot it, or did they have other ideas in mind and then were trying to convince him while maybe doing something else? I'm not sure, mm. but it definitely is a, a plop down moment. Individually, as a scene, it's not like any worse than the rest of the movie. Actually, like it's a well directed little action moment. I think it's like a fun little action beat. But like in terms of like storytelling, like it is a hundred percent just like slammed in there because someone's like, "Yo, dudes!" Like someone panicked eventually and was like, "We need to put Wolverine yeah. in this movie." Like, how is Wolverine <laughs> not in the movie? Like, how is this possible? Wolverine's been in like you know how many X movies made up at this point? We have made five X-Men movies and, you know, t- t- two other uh, two movies. And they're movies, all, yeah. and, the, and the lowest grossing one out of those is, you know, the one of the Wolverine ones in the first class. Like, we got to put him in it. And they didn't need to put mm-hmm. him in it. But I don't, I kind of don't mind the idea of it and, like, letting him free and kind of going with, the, if, if creating a, a weird, even though at the time it doesn't work, full circle kind of three and three that makes some weird off-axis story thing but it it definitely does not quite uh work and is unneeded so that's i get why you don't like it. it's really it's in a way fat like they could have just easily yeah. found any of, they already were kind of broke broke out like you know that's i think the issue yeah. is like they're already running around freely and they could have just used their own powers to find a way to get the other people it, out and instead they have somebody had else done it and then we would have a solid like you know core three thing that they actually develop and get a sequence of stuff where they Succeed, but nope, we yeah. just gotta. Whatever, we no. gotta have Wolverine. It's good talking through. Yeah. It's probably gonna talk. Uh, that is the better like concept. It is fun to like see them three work together more. Like they're all trying to do that. He's doing this while they're doing that. Like you know, like you have to do this and distract him while I'm gonna do this over the head or do. Mm-hmm. And then you know, oh, what are you doing? Oh, this. And then they have to kind of work as a team. It definitely would be much more, and we'd have more character, like you're saying, and reason for them. And you know, all you need in a movie is those five extra minutes, and you earn it right there. So. <laughs> Movie's already out for 145 minutes. So, no, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, I would just um, like, you could just swap. You know, you, you don't really, like you said, 45 seconds of character is all you need for those certain moments, 25. It's like, mm, you just yeah, replace yeah, yeah, that yeah. Wolverine beat with a 
you know, two, three minutes of them trying to just do like do this little plan to get them out, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you just swap. The right, beats, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, I, the, the damn scene is the damn scene is <laughs> the damn, damn. Uh, scene. Don't believe that. It's don't, don't believe that, Joe. No. <laughs> it's it's pretty tight. It it is pretty uh it's pretty tight. Um, but yeah, like the like the Wolverine the Wolverine part does kinda I don't know, it just kinda jolts it, but but yeah. Um for me the worst scene <laughs> and I'm cheating here, it's all of the apocalypse scenes because of how poorly written the character is um you're learning <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I don't, I don't know i don't really i no actually here i'm gonna go with the final battle is to me the worst scene i'll be honest i turned the movie like i fast forwarded the movie well, then your opinion After. is kind of less valid, so it's okay. So. <laughs> I, you can't comment that you like and watch all the beats. <laughs> I've seen the final... This was my fifth time seeing the, seeing okay. the, seeing so the movie. So you've seen the movie a decent amount so, of times. Yeah, so it's... I don't know. I think wait, it's wait how does it not come out that you've seen this movie five times? <laughs> <laughs> Katie, I told you. I, you I brought said, Jay on just because I was like, oh, he's seen this movie ten times. How? You're like, well, I've seen it half those amount of times. So, you, so you, said, you, you said whenever you were like, Jay's seen it this many times, and I'm like, oh well, I've seen it four times. This is number five. Oh. So yeah, I did tell you. Yeah, I don't know how that <laughs> but, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so uh so yeah, I've I've seen it. I don't know, I've seen it enough that I'm I don't I'm like yeah, like I'll rewatch Avengers, you know, one. I'll rewatch Age of Ultron final uh-huh. final battle. But this, I don't know, this one to me, I think the pacing is drawn drawn out for beats that we don't that don't get their uh their full like the beats aren't rewarded, you know. Um mm-hmm. such as I'm here for my family rather than <laughs> Hey dad, you know, um we we don't like the the beats are all it's all coming together to form this one big cohesive uh you know, final meeting like intersection and then instead the cars kind of diverge and go around each other and uh only a few of them really really meet up. I mean the phoenix stuff shows up um but uh but yeah, I th- I think it's that it's that final battle that kind of kind of does it for me. Uh, what about you, Jay? Um, I'm kind of going back between two scenes. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll double back. I'll, I'll triple on the learning thing. Learning <laughs> that scene. Not, not a great scene. Um, but I do it's like a memorable one. Yeah, it is a memorable <laughs> moment. But there is a little. They're watching that Star Trek episode on the TV, which is a fun little start because there's Star Trek and Days of Future Past as well. Again, with the yeah. Brian Singer boy left Star Trek. He's also actually in Star Trek Nemesis. He gets ah, he like falls down. He's like one of the ship people. Oh, and in the Wolverine scene, he's the very last person to get killed. Like when he when the camera rushes past the guy and then you see his blood get splattered on the wall. Oh, yeah. That's that that was Brian's cameo. Um, so that was him getting killed and thrown out of Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, but so I guess that scene, and then for me, not that the whole scene is bad, but the scene where they're, and this is the worst looking scene in the movie for me. It's like when they are on the rocks at the, like when they're hanging yes, out and they're just yes. like chilling there and like uh, Xavier's in the purple shirt and they're giving the speech to like all the people, no more superpower. Like that part's fine. When they're kind of, but just when they're just hanging out and they're talking, I mean, it was, 
Ugh, it's just, I don't know. And they're looking over it the looks, city. It looks to me like old Star Trek, like the aesthetic of it. Yeah. Like very, actually, it reminds me of um, very specifically Galaxy Quest and that early like CGI desert in Galaxy mm, Quest. Yeah, yeah. But like, this is 2016, so I can't forgive it. No, anymore. it has that, that, that look for sure. Yeah. They kind of did that thing. I remember watching the making of. They like shot, you know, where you, the the visual you can look in the camera and see like how it looks when it's like done type of thing. Like like they tried like half Avatar tech, half like screen thing, and it just like no, it doesn't. Are you are you're talking about the scene where uh, they've already captured Xavier? Yeah, and they're and, just like hanging yeah. out on that those those rocks just overlooking the city yep. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and no. what's weird about it also is like if I remember right, this isn't like two separate scenes where we cut back and we still get that shot of them all just sitting there. Yeah, we I cut back know. a few times. Yeah, two or three. <laughs> and it's like I, I remember very specifically. It's like we get that same like wide shot of them all just sitting in different areas on the rocks. I don't know. It's always funny because uh, you know Xavier, like not to me, but he's just like kind of propped up on the rocks. He can't walk. You know, <laughs> he's just like laying there, leaning. I do think it's funny. Uh, this is just something I always notice is that like you know. Of course, he, he he walks for most of first class. Yeah. And then in Days of Future Past, he takes the drug that lets him walk again. And then in this, you're like, all right, he's going to finally sit down the whole movie. Nope, we get a dream sequence where he's walking around. Yeah. Uh, but Got to have, have a little moment. Yeah, because, you know, he actually, it's funny. He, like, walks in the second movie in a dream sequence, too, in X2. Mm-hmm. And then in X3, mm-hmm. yeah. when he yeah. dies, like, you know, he doesn't walk. Like, they make him, like, stand straight up in the air yeah. and like hold him up so like x1's like the only movie where like you don't see xavier oh wait no isn't there a version like doesn't xavier is he stand up for a second in like a vision no i don't think so no i'm not sure okay. Okay. i was gonna say maybe dark phoenix no <laughs> dark dark phoenix they they do this really cruel uh making him oh, walk up the stairs yeah, yeah. I rem- that's that, all that scene's was- always bothered me <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I actually remember that. That scene was kind of like, ooh, this is like serious type of movie. Like, you know, it's like, super really gross. It is super it's serious, but I'm Kinberg also like, ugh. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that is X Men Apocalypse. Uh, Jay, uh, thanks for being on. Do you have anything else you want to say to our guests? Tell us where to find you or where not to find you or where we can find your movie again. Yes. Well, first off again, thanks for so much for having me on. Love talking movies, love talking X-Men, love to be back anytime you guys want. Um, again, Northwood pie on Amazon prime. If you guys want to check it out or you can find me, uh, Jay Salahi anywhere, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'll be around. You. Luckily my last name is not that popular. If you Google Jay Salahi, <laughs> I have like two pages to myself. So be jealous. Yeah, Danny, Danny Vincent <laughs> is everywhere. Did you know that I was a lighting, uh, I think a lighting supervisor on 500 Days of Summer? Really? It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's really crazy. I was 14 at the time and I got that credit. I think it's some advice for you. I have to pick your brain uh, before I shoot my next movie. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, Danny, Danny, I'm uh, really, really disappointed that you didn't try to uh, like pimp that out uh, back in college, like at SIU that you weren't like. Yeah, I have a credit with 500 yeah. Days of Summer. And like, yeah. this is my introduction, and people would have looked you out I up on, on, up I on IMDb. I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Amazing Spider-Man. It would have been really relevant. Exactly, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so next week, we're going to discuss the films of Sam Raimi to prep for Doctor Strange in The Mom, Multiverse uh, of Madness, because, uh, you know, Sam's coming back to superhero movies. We're going to watch Evil Yeah, I know. I'm really excited. We're going to watch Evil Dead 2. Uh, 
Dark Man and Drag Me to Hell. I am so excited for Dark Man. Uh, I haven't seen any of these movies. So I'm excited for all I've of them. I've seen the trailer for Dark Man. So I, I'm just, I've not seen any of them, but. I assume, yeah. Jay, you've seen all of these. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to catch them because Raimi, or especially early Raimi, the only thing I've seen is Evil Dead One. Oh wow! So, which is why we're doing Evil Dead Two because I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, so, but also I always hear Evil Dead Two is the best. Yeah. So I'll be excited uh, to listen to that one, guys. Yeah, uh, and our guest Sarah Knopf will be returning for as Tyler's written her third outing in the Why Is Podcast Universe, uh, which. Translates to WIPU, which sounds like a work in progress, might I say. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it is work in progress, but I was going to say it's whoopoo. If we have spunk, we can have whoopoo. So yes. what's better? the record you guys have for guests who's appeared the most? Uh, I believe, well, because we're only like a year out. I think, isn't three? No, we had Caleb on. For three plus bon- a couple of bonus episodes. Wow, okay. Oh, there yeah. There you go. I'm just checking how far yeah. down the list I am. I see. Yeah. Well, to be fair, some of those bonus episodes, you would have called... When you were on last time, we hadn't done our format shift. Yeah. So when you were on the last time, you did do part of it. Uh, that would have been qualified as a bonus episode. That was what Caleb was on. But yes, three is our record currently, and Caleb will co- probably come back for a fourth at some point. Nice. So Caleb, Caleb's a good, Caleb's co-host my ever podcast. Uh, and speaking of Caleb, we'd like to thank his roommate, Joe Schirmer for editing this episode. Thank you, thank Joe. You, Joe. Thanks Joe. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of which you should check us out on all new 52, which is Joe and Caleb's podcast about comics. We recently guest starred on it to talk about King Thor, which is the first comic. At least I have read. It's probably since, uh, at least three or four years. Uh, I read just like a guest star. Uh, Tyler reads comics, Lots. so it wasn't that. Lots. That wasn't that bit of stress for him. But it was. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and also, we talked. We talk about on uh, that podcast. We talk about Thor's goat, and there are rumors that said goat will appear in Thor: Love and Thunder. So, well, we all know. We all know Thor is the goat Avenger. So you're canceled. Um, you're, yeah, you're canceled, Danny. <laughs> I've been canceled so many times on this. <laughs> uh, you cancel yourself sometimes, so yeah. <laughs> I got canceled with me be, be, being on this podcast today. I probably said some cancelable things. Maybe should, uh, I have to snip out my comments about that uh, poster on X Men. Maybe you know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna email us like in a couple years. Be like, uh, can you delete that X Men? <laughs> <laughs> can we just 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 scrub the internet of that episode? Just. <laughs> You you skip yeah. a number in your catalog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thanks again for coming on, yeah, Jay. Thank it's you. always great to have you. Thanks, guys. Uh, and we will see... Well, you'll hear us all next week with Sam Raimi. Wow, Sam today. Raimi's on the show? Wow. Yeah, I know. I was like, I was like Danny. <laughs> yeah, it's like how we're trying to get Ryan Reynolds on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we do want Ryan Reynolds on the podcast. Brian, if you're listening. <laughs> we keep tweeting at him. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we're like, we'll watch the Adam Project if you come on. Hey, <laughs> Matt, Diavella, Matt Diavella has the goal of getting The Rock on his, well, his podcast when he was doing a podcast. Wow. And then uh, now he's doing uh, just YouTube full time. And all right, uh, film. All right, but, we're, we're gonna end yeah. the episode. We're okay, gonna end the episode. We're going. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. 
We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankmits for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.